Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 340. My name is Eric Nielsen, and on with me today, as always, my co-host, Ryan Johnson. Ryan, how's it going? Hey, Eric. It's going good, man. Good to be back. Yeah, yeah it's a busy times. We're getting ready for the next VMworld, so... You know, everybody's working hard. It's like round two. You think this stuff gets easier the second time you do it, but actually there's just a lot of work going on. So, you know, everybody's busy. Uh, how about yourself? <laughs> uh, pretty good. Um, getting prepared for VMworld World Europe. I'll be out there just manning the booth and maybe a couple of V Brown back, v. Brown back talks. And uh, all next week I get to hang out at the Gartner Symposium IT Expo down here in Orlando. So, yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know – uh, the Amazon Web Services Conference is going on, I think, uh, next week in uh, Las Vegas. So I think we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth there. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of events still going on. I was at Spring 1 uh, two weeks ago. There's you know, just a lot of developer events going on, and now that we're doing vCloud Air, uh, we get to go to all those developer events and talk about the developer services we have on vCloud Air. So uh, it seems like as VMware grows bigger, there's just more technology and more places to go and more people to talk to. Yeah, the more, confused, the more confused I get keeping up with all our technology. And uh, on the show today, I think we have uh, Ken Wernberg, uh, Technical Marketing Group Manager for Storage and Availability. He's here to talk about uh, Virtual Stand 601. Is that right? That's me, man. Yes. That's what I'm here <laughs> to talk about. Excellent. Welcome back. Excellent. And uh, it's good. We're not gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna. Do, we're gonna do the news first, and then we'll 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 hit you up, Ken, and talk all about vSAN 601. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, we'll just sit Corey. here and heckle your news in the meantime. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can do that. You know, the, the news is very squishy always. Uh, Corey Romero, you're on the call. Uh, yes, that? I am. Yep, yep. Uh, getting ready for uh, VMworld Europe with the experts again. I think we're doing. At least we're going to go to a bar and drink some with the experts in Europe, right? I think that's what we're trying to get, get going. Yeah, yeah, we are. And uh, I should have everything confirmed by uh, tomorrow sometime. Um, we, we've got a place set up. We've got the time and the date set up. So we'll be Monday, October 12th at 7 p.m. Um, we're still confirming the location. Uh, and that will go out in uh, the expert communication tomorrow. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think the one in the U.S. was fun. No presentations in Europe this time, so. Uh, but you know there will be other things going on that uh, were not happening in the U.S. So that's pretty cool. Right. Um, yeah. Very nice. So let's see. On to the news. The first thing that we should just mention. We'll do just some short news here. Is that obviously Barcelona, October 12th through the 15th, um, which I believe is uh, Monday through uh, Thursday. Um, so. Um, Get your game on. We actually have the gatherings calendar up on VMworld.com. So I know everybody's schedule builder's been up, and there's a lot of stuff to go schedule. Um, but if you want to go check out the events that are happening, we have the European gatherings all listed on the VMworld.com gatherings page. Uh, so if you want to look at that, you can. The URL is VMworld.com slash en slash gatherings-eu.html. Uh, that's up there. There are probably, I don't know, it's hard to say for sure, maybe maybe 20 gatherings that are going on. I know I've registered for a couple of them myself. If you want to see myself, Corey, um, possibly even Ryan, uh, I think the B Rockstar Party we've registered for. We'll be at the B Expert event. Um, we'll be at the V Brown Bag Hang Space on Monday. So a lot of cool stuff listed in the events listing, and we are usually around there. Um, a lot of the parties, you got to go click on the link and get a registration going. Some cost money, some don't. Um, so uh, go get yourself registered. The Beam Party, the Hall Crawl, some of these things are open to everybody. Some of them you have to register. So get, get registered and have some fun if you're going to be there. And definitely look me up. I'll be in the hang space at the Brown Bag Theater or the Community Theater most of the week. Um, we do have a social media uh, wall um, in the, in the uh, Solutions Exchange at the VMware booth. Um, so you can come by. I think we're going to have selfie sticks 
uh, free selfie sticks, which I got to say, I got one, and they are super cool. I feel like such a geek now, but they hook to your iPhone or your Android. You plug it into the speaker. You click, um, and it takes a picture. You extend the thing out, take a picture. Pretty nice little device, and they're free. It's a $30 uh, thing. There was a line at Gameworld U.S. the entire time, so come by, say hello, get registered um, and you know for all the different social channels at the social media wall. Uh, myself, Corey, Tony, and Tommy Berry will all be working that booth in the Solutions Exchange, come by, say hello, and pick up your selfie stick. That'll be pretty neat. Um, DevOps, other thing, and not a lot of these are just status things, but uh, for Europe, DevOps. Uh, we're having a DevOps day. It'll be Wednesday, October 14th, 11 to 6. Um, it's in the hang space. It's at the community theater area. There's a, next to the community theater area is a DevOps space. Much like we did in the uh, US, we will have a DevOps space. And on Wednesday, there will be um, a large number of sessions all day long and on every 50 minutes. So we have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, maybe nine sessions. Plus the hackathon is also going on during the day. Um, and if you don't hack, it's okay. If you're an admin, you can still come by. Uh, what this hackathon really is, is vCloud Air Challenges. They give you a bunch of challenges and they give you different belts. So it's kind of like a karate kid type thing where you come in, you do the challenge, and you get a belt plus you get, um, you actually get a prize at each one of the belts. So I think they have white belt all the way up to black belt. You do the belt, you get the prize, um, and you learn about vCloud Air. Plus you get a vCloud Air $300 account, which if you're familiar with vCloud Air, that'll run your own virtual machine for a year, right, or roughly a year. So if you get a small VM, get that free account, you can set up your own virtual machine with a public IP address and use that puppy for almost the entire year, uh, and it won't cost you anything. So come by the hackathon. Plus, I think the hackathon, they double the amount of hours they give you free from 300 hours to 600 hours. So technically, you could get two VMs running with a load balancer for free for a year on vCloud Air. So come by the hackathon, do the challenges, win some prizes. It's pretty cool. It's going to be on Wednesday, um, and you know it's less about hacking code and more about learning about vCloud Air and learning how to deploy stuff. And you can deploy whatever you've hacked together if you manage to hack something together. So that's the hackathon on Wednesday, um, and I think that's about it from a news perspective. Ryan, I don't know if we want to mention we have a few more minutes in this news. Um, if we want to go check out whether vMug, if anybody's doing anything in vMugs, um, yeah, we can do that. yeah. Yeah, we can do that. But uh, who's the band this year? Are we having a band, a DJ? What's going on out there? Who is the band? I don't know. I have not oh. heard. I do not know who the band is. Uh, not, bon jo not Bon Jovi again. <laughs> no, last year it was pretty good. It was something. It was a. Uh, you know, it was reasonable. Right. Um, we are like not it. allowed. We are not allowed by contract to mention the band or market the band. And since. This podcast is technically an outbound social event. Even if I knew who the band was, I would not be able to say it because I got in trouble last time. So we can go. edit out my stupid uh, comments in, right? Uh, yeah. better, you than, better you than me, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the band got mentioned through one of my social channels, and the band ah. got forwarded the announcement. And then the band manager called and said, we're going to cancel because you guys are doing social out on our band. Like, oh. Right. I'm not doing that it's, anymore. It's probably in their rider, so hey, whatever. You know, oh, what? hey, you know the, the truth is, I just blamed it all on Corey, and I threw him under the bus. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I can as, wish. <laughs> as, as, it, as it should be. Um, right. Hey, in the, in the land of VMUG, uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, October, October 1st, right? Yeah, October 1st. Wow. We've got the Wichita and Omaha uh, VMUG. And then next next Tuesday, October 6th, is the Wisconsin VMUG. So those are the upcoming VMUGs. So just a couple upcoming VMUGs. And then, of course, actually, next next Thursday, just ahead of schedule, uh, we have the Upstate New York VMUG UserCon. So that'll be a big meeting in Upstate New York. And uh, since we can't talk about, you know, El Capitan and all the new Google announcements and the you know, hmm. 5S and all those fun, fun stuff, we can talk about vSense. We can move on to vSense. 
There's a whole bunch of stuff you guys on here, isn't there? <laughs> Since Ken's let's, here. Let's, let's, let's just move to vSAN because everybody that's listening to this on iTunes and everything, by the way, our, our online listens have now peaked up at 3,000 again, so thank you very much for everybody doing that. We'll probably try to do some outbound marketing for the podcast, see if we can get that number up to 5,000. That will be awesome. That's per week, so good to everybody listening to the shows. We really appreciate it. Uh, Ken uh, Wernberg, hey. how you doing, Ken? Tell everybody, maybe we got new listeners out there. Give me uh, the, the one minute or two minute who you are, how long you've been at VMware, and what are you working on these days? All right. I've been at VMware for nine years. I am a uh, group manager in technical marketing. I've done kind of a gamut of different roles at VMware, uh, ranging from field SE. Right now I'm uh, managing storage and availability technical marketing. So things like vSAN, vVol, Site Recovery Manager, SRM Air, that falls to the guys in my group uh, to be doing that sort of road. tech marketing is that, do I need to pad? Do I need to stretch? It was less than a minute. You guys, I got one question before before Ryan takes over. Do you guys actually have your own lab? And so, like in tech marketing, do you get to set up your own machines and, and do things and run tests and run benchmarks and do that kind of stuff? How do you guys stay current with the technology? Well, there are things that I'm not allowed to talk about since this is on a podcast. Uh, yeah, absolutely we do. It's, um, we have we've got a pretty good uh, set selection of means. Some of our partners. Okay. Internal one cloud there. To me, when I was over in tech marketing, because I worked in tech marketing for a couple of years uh, when I first came to VMware, to me, VMware, that was kind of the hardest thing. And I got to give everybody credit, even Ryan credit, for actually taking the time, not only to have your day job, but then you also have to keep labs up and running, your own private lab, your own computer, Keep everything installed, you know, and do the work to be current on the and the technology itself. So, <laughs> just, that's pretty, that's pretty, I gotta give my I tip my hat to you guys because I don't get to do that as much as I want to anymore. And I, you know, you know, sometimes, better. sometimes I feel like a lab rat. At least, like at least the last you know week, I've been back in the lab, and you know, I too uh, have you know a lot of gear, so it's fun. It keeps you keeps you current, right? I, I, current. I'll, I'll yes. say, I'll say one more thing before I, 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 I'm quiet on this, which is uh, for a while there, like for a lot of years I did, I was a lab rat as well. And I used to, every time I do a new OS load, I go, man, if I just had a dime for every time I did an OS load, I'd be like so wealthy. Then I sat back and I thought about it. I went, wait a minute. I think I was making money all the time I was doing this. So I probably made more than 10 cents every time I loaded an OS. So I don't know where else I'm money went. Always be cloning, right? Right. Oh. Cool, cool. All right. I Go think ahead. we've all seen our <laughs> So we'll get started with Ken. We're going to talk about uh, what's new in vSAN 6.1. Um, so tell us about, you know, just for, for folks that are new, you know, to uh, software-defined software storage, um, just can you tell us a little bit about what virtual SAN is for those new listeners, people who are interested in what virtual SAN is and how it, you know, what are some of the use cases that they can use it for? Sure. I mean, in terms of software-defined storage as a whole, really there's it's more of an approach and a set of technologies that can deliver that. So, for example, if we look at something like storage policy-based management, that's kind of the entryway into software-defined storage, where the resources are really abstracted away, as we've done in the, the, the compute space and the network space and things like that. So what we want to do is flip it so that the apps are in charge and that we can manage how they consume storage and how the platform delivers resources to the apps via policy rather than by trying to tie them to direct physical pieces of hardware. So really, uh, this SPBM approach gives us a new way of managing and interacting with storage, and the best ways to do that is with virtual SAN. So vSAN is the hyper-converged infrastructure software offering that we have that utilizes this policy-based management approach to deliver you know, high, highly efficient, highly scalable, highly performant, and uh, really easy to set up and simplified storage and compute stacks. So you buy your uh, vSphere clusters um, hardware with this intent in mind of building a hyper-converged storage and compute stack. And then mm -hmm. really vSAN is simply a, it's a, it's a cluster option. You literally just yeah. one-click vSAN for the entire cluster and it'll start utilizing the local storage within the, the servers to create a virtualized distributed data store. Yeah, right. So like when you're in there and you're creating your HA or DRS cluster, you know, like most admins do anyway, it's just another option on their enable vSAN, right? And, you know, if you right. have the, 
the VM kernel port set up accordingly, you can you can move forward. And you know, I made the I, I've made the argument, uh, you know, a few episodes, well, several episodes back, when I look at uh, vSphere 6.0, um, in my mind, right, this is my own opinion, it was kind of storage release. You know, we had the introduction of storage policy-based management, you know, vVols and vSAN 6.0. And I, I kind of stepped back and I looked at it and I said, yeah, we've got a lot of cool features and new architectures for vCenter and a lot, a lot of other things around um, high availability. But when I look at it, some of the core feature sets that set out were those uh, software-defined storage bits, right? Storage policy-based management, virtual yep. volumes, and uh, virtual SAN, enabling, enabling the software, the software-defined storage. That's right. That's pretty, it's a pretty big shift. I mean, really, uh, obviously, there are only a handful of people that are doing this kind of thing today in that hyper-converged space. And it really does get a lot of interest from our customers, not only because of, like I mentioned, sort of the scale and the performance and things like that, but because of the simplicity. It really does drive down that complexity where we traditionally had to align individual ones to a particular application or set of applications and then manage that sort of proliferation and access. Uh, all of that is done away with by this sort of hyper-converged model. And virtual yeah. SAN, as I mentioned, creates one large distributed data store. So there's no such thing as pathing or, or one management or any of the rest of that stuff when, when we start talking about a virtual SAN environment. <laughs> yeah, it's one, it's one fat vSAN data store, or we can rename it if you want to. But it's, So we're really seeing, you know, from these, you know, disparate systems, folks are starting to use you know, the hyper hyper convert hyper converged infrastructure is really kind of the, the impetus for a lot of this happening, right? And then the policy based management, we're really kind of we're really in that hyper converged infrastructure, um, and it's kind of an ideal approach for the software defined data center, and then be able to put policies on top for the apps, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all about the apps, and can we tune the policies for storage, compute, you know, resource management, specifically for those applications to give them the right right foothold in the in the data center. All right, we introduced v, uh, vSAN, virtual SAN, um, yep. back in, back in, uh, in 5.5, right? We had some, some betas and stuff like that, and we've seen a lot of heavy adoption. What are some of the use cases that where, where you're seeing it ado- uh, being adopted, and, and what are some of the right types of tiers or workloads for vSAN 6, 6.1, the, newer, the newest release? You know, we used to um, be a little cautious. When we first released vSAN, we identified a couple of use cases that we thought were, you know, important. Um, but a little cautious around things like, you know, don't put necessarily the certain types of workloads on it and things like that. With, with 6.0, we said, you know what, no, this is utterly enterprise-ready. There's pretty much only, you know, it's more a matter of what don't we recommend rather than what do we recommend. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so as Captain vSAN says, tier what? <laughs> exactly right. So, um, and we have over 2,000 customers just since you know since we released it. So that's a really really short ramp up time to get that number. Of Absolutely, some huge reference accounts in there as well. Uh, with the new release with 6.1, we kind of expanded that. Uh, one of the areas where we had some difficulties in the past was on really small sort of environments. When you know we we, we would require three nodes at a minimum, and we would recommend four just to preserve manageability and availability through any sort of maintenance that you might need to do or failures. And of course, some of the smallest remote office customers would say, you know, we don't want to put four hosts out in a branch office to hold a handful of VMs. So with the new 6.1 release, we've got support for remote offices with two-node vSAN. So that really does kind of extend things very nicely. What we do is create a two-node cluster, uh, which can just simply enable vSAN. Then we need a third location just act as a witness um, to, to broker, but to act as a, a quorum establishment tool between the two halves of the two-node cluster. And that usually goes into a, a head office or a centralized data center. So it gives people a lot of flexibility in terms of being able to now build very small vSAN environments for those remote office and branch office type of environments. So we've kind of extended the capabilities down the, down the, the size of the enterprise, as it were, to the smaller customers. Okay, so 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 in six in terms of you know new hardware options, we introduced uh, the two node vSAN vSAN Robo edition, right? And that I think yep. it comes in like the twenty five packs, which you could you could combine that with your you know vSphere for Robo and really kind of reduce your co- reduce your cost. And that two node has a witness, it's the uh, the vSAN the vSAN witness appliance, which you can run like you said in your HQ. Or um, I've seen some talk about you know possibilities of running that. Um, Running that in vCloud Air, you know, create your IPsec tunnels and run it in the uh, vCloud Air. I don't know if that's officially supported yet, but 
Um, that looks uh, pretty pretty promising there. So yeah, I can definitely I can definitely see Robo being a huge use huge use case. I mean, I've had conversations with customers and customers and and, and others um, at local V mugs and, and actually on site visits where they have tons of locations, right? Whether it's like a healthcare yeah. provider that has care centers or you know a brick and mortar shop, right? Um, needing that kind of capability, especially when it comes time to refresh, you know, their gear, they have a new, they have a new option. Yeah, absolutely. And and likewise on the other end of the spectrum, we had a lot of customers, uh, particularly in different geographies, uh, where where things like metro clustering are a lot more popular. So we've also yeah. introduced the ability to do a, a, a stretch cluster vSAN as an option as well. And for that model, what we're doing is very very similar to the two node, where we've got two fault domains in the situation where each of your sites, if you've got two sites, for example, you'd populate it with X number of vSAN nodes in each site and treat them as fault domains. And then by that mechanism, what will happen is that we'll mirror the data for any given virtual machine between the two data centers. And again, we'll need to proxy uh, the, the quorum connection somehow. So there's third location witness that's required there as well. Um, but this gives us the ability to do live online migrations between two data centers. It gives us the ability to have our, our data resilient to a full site level failure, just those traditional VMSC, Vistra uh, Metro Storage Cluster type of scenarios working with a hyper-converged infrastructure, which is pretty cool. So, so addressing those large system. So the stretch cluster is really built built off the fault domain, the fault domain uh, capabilities that we added in vSAN 6.0, and now we've taken yeah. that to enable uh, the stretch clustering with uh, what's the RPO on the stretch cluster cluster stretch clusters? Uh, well, RPO it's 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 zero. I mean, we're mirroring the data. For, so let me back up a little bit and talk a little bit of tech here. So the way we write okay. uh, that's what we like. Okay. <laughs> so when we do an I/O write from uh, a VM, basically in a vSAN model, it hits the cache tier first, which is going to be some form of flash device. And we have to wait until that write is acknowledged on both flash devices. So if we have a failure to tolerate of one, that means that we have two copies of that primary data okay. going to two different hosts in a traditional vSAN type of a model. And the flash devices in both of those hosts need to acknowledge that I.O. first. Then we say, yes, that write is committed. Now, after the fact, it might get de-staged to magnetic disk or something like that. But one way or the other, once right. we get that cache here, we acknowledge that it's been written. So if you imagine in a stretch cluster model, we still have the same thing. Only now, yeah. instead of treating hosts as the fault domain, we're treating the sites as the fault domain. So our two copies of that primary data now reside in both different locations. And wherever that write happens to be destined, it's going to be forked and mirrored over to the other site as well. So we need to wait for that um, write to be acknowledged by the flash tier, the cache tier, on both sites before we acknowledge the write is written. So that means that our data is always 100% up to date on both sites. So, for all intents and purposes, RPO of zero. Okay, that makes that makes total sense. What are some of the uh, some of the technical technical you know requirements as far as you know uh, the distance, um, the the round trip the round trip time? For, for yeah, distance? for it, for a stretch cluster, it's really the standard uh, requirements that we have for any sort of storage VMotion: five milliseconds, ten milliseconds for enterprise plus um, round trip time. Uh, latency. So target five milliseconds because we don't want to start introducing IO latency just based on waiting for those IO rights to be acknowledged. So we need to have very tight interconnects between the two sites. Usually that falls within about 100 kilometers or less. Uh, sorry, um, Canadian. Uh, six <laughs> two miles or whatever that is. Um, yeah, somewhere around that, right? Somewhere, that's usually when the latency start to, to increase to the point where your I.O. starts to suffer a little bit. And we don't want to, because every write for every VM is going to be mirrored across these two sites. We want to make sure that uh, we're not introducing a ton of latency there. So we want a fair amount of bandwidth, and we want very low latency in order to set up the stretch cluster. Now, the witness can reside just about uh, anywhere. I think we're, we're saying that we want to keep that somewhere in the 100 to 300 millisecond range for the witness, because it's not actual data that's going out there. It's... Um, just metadata, right? It's just witnessing between the two sites. Yeah, it's just polling, basically. Yeah, it's acting as a tiebreaker in case there's a intersite failure between the two houses of your data center. If we need to establish a quorum to determine if HA needs to kick in and restart the VMs on the other site and things along those lines. Okay. And what's the uh, bandwidth requirements um, typically that you're seeing for the stretch clusters? Well, we we 
want, we, we set a fairly high target of about 100 megabits per second between the cycles. Okay. Um, yeah. Just to make sure that we're not going to end up with any sort of um, uh, difficulties associated with bandwidth. So five millisecond latency. Um, sorry, uh, that's <laughs> sorry. I'm talking about to the witness in that scenario there, right? So we can have let's say 200 milliseconds and 100 megabits to the witness, and we want less than five milliseconds, and we want really gigabits between the sites for stretch cluster and Okay. Um. It's not a it's not a small customer solution really. A stretch cluster is no. designed for uh, you know large enterprises that have dark fiber and things. Right. And what are there any uh, other enhancements as far as uh, vSphere replication and SRM with um, with vSAN? Have you been studying? Sounds like you. Hey man. Hey man. I'm in the integrated systems business unit. I have to study. <laughs> And I have to keep keeping you on, keeping you on your toes is very difficult. So, so what are we what are, what are we doing what are we doing around you know SRM vSAN replication? Okay, well, yeah, vSAN has always been supported with SRM. Uh, that's that's not an issue. But we use vSphere replication for that. And one of the nice enhancements with this version is that we have a support for a five minute RPO for our VMs using VR, as long as we're using vSAN. It has to be vSAN on both sites. We haven't sort of extended that to the broader uh, storage ecosystem or anything like that. But if we're using vSAN, then we have a lot of control over how those uh, things are being sent and received. So we can get a yeah. five-minute RPO. So if you picture this, for example, let's, let's take an awesome sort of scenario where we've got two sites in a stretch cluster using vSAN on both sites. We've got our, mirror, uh, our data mirrored as zero RPO between the two of them. We could use vSphere replication with a five-minute RPO to take that data to a third location and use SRM. So we'll have stretch cluster type functionality between two sites and SRM to a third site if we want to. That said, I mean, that's obviously not required. It's just kind of a, a, a nice high watermark in terms of an architecture that we could build. Uh, but five-minute RPO and full integration with SRM. And the other nice thing with vSphere replication is that we can pick and choose things like our uh, storage policies. So if we've got a primary site and we've got you know, FTC2 for some critical systems, we've got lots of copies of that data at that point. Um, we're quite resilient to any sort of local failure, but uh, maybe we're replicating that to another location and using SRM with it. Do we really need to be using FTC2 and tripling the amount of data that we're storing? No, we could actually choose a completely different storage policy on the recovery site and vSphere replication will understand that and store it with whatever policy we have, maybe FTD zero or one or whatever it happens to be for DR copies. Okay, so so I'm, I'm picturing this thing in my mind. I've got you know site A, site A, site A and site B in my in my metro, you know my stretch cluster, and I've got the I've got the uh, witness in a in a third location, right? Maybe sure. it's in V cloud, maybe it's in V cloud air or what have you, or my HQ. But then I've got my DR site where I'm using vSphere replication for SRM, right? That uh, for the replication right. technology. As far as the replication, is that happening from both site A and site B, or do you pick one of those sites to actually do the replication to the DR site? How, how does that work? Well, it's where the VM is running from. So it's on the host that okay. the VM runs. So the way vSphere okay. replication works is via vSphere filter, basically. So as IO is being written down to the disk, uh, again, the disk is for all intents and purposes resident at both locations. But the host in which that VM is running has the filter active that's tracking the I.O. as it's changing. So we know which blocks are, are being changed in flight as it's writing. So when the replication uh, cycle comes along for that given VM, the host on which it's running just grabs a copy of those blocks and changes it out. Okay. It could be technically from either site. So again, okay. both of these functions, vSAN and vSphere replication, are kernel level functions. So there's no configuration, there are no sort of external appliances we need to write it through or anything like that. Uh, host-based replication. So I can imagine taking this a step, uh, uh, kind of another step forward, or a whole, whole another, you know, path, um, you know, another road, another road traveled here. Instead of using SRM vSphere replication, I can use vSphere replication with vCloud Air disaster recovery. Would that be a use case for the stretch cluster? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's another one of the announcements that we made. It's not available yet, but it was announced in something called SRM Air. So right now okay. we have vCloud Air disaster recovery, which uses uh, vSphere replication. It's got some very, let's call it, right. rudimentary so, types of controls around it, right? Yeah. So, but you could use v, just v, with your metro with your your metro stretch cluster for vSAN stretch cluster. You could use uh, vSphere replication with vCloud Air disaster recovery because it's part of it and be able to recover yeah. those those workloads to vCloud Air. 
Yeah. And then ultimately with SRM Air, what that gives us is the opportunity to have that SRM-like experience using vCloud Air's DR service. So we'll be able to run full recovery plans, orchestration, testing, all of those pieces that we can do with SRM today is going to be coming for vCloud Air as well. So we could replicate our vSAN or our vSAN stretch cluster or our vSAN uh, two-node remote office, branch office type of model, any of those things, because VR is completely independent of the storage subsystem. All of those vSAN models could easily be replicated into vCloud Air and then use SRM Air as a testing and recovery orchestration tool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so moving, moving a little bit past uh, some of what, uh, the stretch, stretch cluster, unless there's anything else you want to add on the stretch cluster, which is an awesome new capability um, sure in my mind. Right? The, ro the robo and the stretch clusters are just you know, awesome capabilities and capabilities that you know, our customers have been asking for, so, which are, um, I'm very excited to see. But you know, when we released, released uh, vSphere 6.0, we had some, uh, some other technologies like SMPFT, and you know, we had now have support for SMPFT with vSAN 6.1. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. One of the difficulties with um, uh, FT in the past has been, um, well, obviously, first of all, the uptake wasn't exactly enormous. By the time we had <laughs> as a as a limitation on there, plus some of the requirements between site uh, between uh, hosts where we keep our shadow copy, it was fairly onerous in terms of the infrastructure. But um, SMPFT is actually a very different technology than FT was itself. So we actually will have two copies of the primary data. So we have two VM VKs for, uh, for any given VM. So we have discrete locations where things are being run. And we're not exactly doing a record and replay without what we're doing. It's more like a continuous vMotion, I think, is the way GS described it, which I thought was really good. Yeah, uh, yeah, so with the, yeah. For the continuous, the continuous, right, yep. So with that said, we now have the ability to have different locations for our uh, VMDKs represent by that primary VM, which means on a given vSAN, which as you know is a single contiguous data store basically, uh, we'll have two VMDKs for any VM that we're protecting with SMPFT, and that gives us you know even more levels of protection both at the data level as well as at the, uh, the VM level. So running that is very nice. I don't believe we're supporting that across a stretch cluster. Uh, again, the, the, the requirement for bandwidth is, is pretty huge when we're starting to run things like SMPFT. But um, yeah. within within uh, vSAN, it is absolutely supported, and that's a, another nice uh, level of protection to offer. Our I mean, I guess if you got ten or forty gig, ten or forty gig between your two, your two sites, uh, you could do it. Uh, if anyone has that and wants to run SMPFT between two sites <laughs> on a stretch cluster vSAN, let me know. Yeah, all right. Um, and we also announced some uh, other some other new capabilities around um, around. Uh, clustering technologies, both for Windows Server failover clustering, SQL Server Exchange, and Oracle Rack. Can you can you maybe uh, talk a little bit about those new oh, clustering technologies? Yeah, a lot of that QE It's really just QE efforts that we needed to do on those situations. But be very careful. I mean, we, we don't support the um, what do you call them? The, we have support for shared disk uh, for the quorum disk, but not for uh, the databases and things along those lines. Yeah, you but, have a file. You'd use a file share witness for those, I think. Exactly, yep. So, uh, but that said, yeah, Oracle Rack, Microsoft, SQL Exchange, things like that, um, supported now fully on vSAN, uh, pretty nice technology again. One of the big things that we've been really trying to impress people with is the capabilities around running business critical apps and tier one apps and things like that on vSAN. And it's only it's great when you can tell people, yeah, we can get a million IOPS out of vSAN using all Flash. That's wonderful. But if uh, we say no support for Oracle Rack or something along those lines, then it's kind of a, a non-starter. But uh, yeah, uh, great efforts around getting that supported. But yes, as you mentioned, there file share uh, for some of the database. Awesome. So you know, just kind of quick recap before we jump into like uh, some of the other pieces. You know, as far as new some new uh, things that we've added, um, we've added the uh, virtual SAN Robo Edition, right? For the the like the two the two node Robo clusters for the witness, we've added the stretch clustering capability um, uh, using uh, based off based off vSAN, and we've added um, replicate. Uh, you know, you can use metro cluster uh, stretch cluster. Uh, use it with rep vSphere replication as your uh, replication technology with SRM, and then you have capability also. You know, do default error disaster recovery with your, with your metro cluster. Um, yeah, and then you know SMP SMPFT fault tolerance is now now available, and then some QE efforts like you mentioned around the cluster clustering. 
So, anything else? Uh, well, there's tons of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we can we can talk about we can talk about some of the management and troubleshooting capabilities capabilities. Uh, kind of move do it. Here. I, I like the way you think. Yeah. So you know, um, one of the cool things that I I, I liked um, that we introduced. I, I want to say it was um, over. The, I want to say it was over the summer. Was the v, uh, virtual SAN vSAN help chat plugin for vCenter, and you had to you know yeah. load that plugin in, run your RPM package, and stuff like that. And now we 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 all we really made the the health check plugin a part of v, the vCenter component in v, in vCenter 6.0 update one. Can you tell us about you know that health check plugin? Any new capabilities that we've added in that sure. plugin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, the health check plugin is a really really important piece uh, in terms of the monitoring and managing of the environment. You need to be able to check a whole bunch of different stuff. So, one of the biggest problems we've had is around hardware. People have kind of duct taped together some crap they had lying around in their home lab from five years ago and said, why isn't vSAN working? Um, My lab. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of moving parts in vSAN, so I'm not literally moving parts, uh, maybe a couple, but um, there are a lot not of... In a, not in an all-flash array, there's no moving parts. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, uh, the difficulties that people have around these things usually come down to that they haven't checked the hardware compatibility list. And it, those, it's such an important piece that people need to be able to check that and make sure that it's, uh, that the gear that they're using is certified, that it's gone through a testing process either from ourselves or from our partners or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, so part of the Health Check plugin is having that integrated. So it's just a, a direct link to our HDL. It will scan and parse the results from your cluster and make sure that all the pieces are on the HDL. And beyond that, it does these uh, sort of ongoing health checks against the environment itself. So um, let me back up and talk about how we develop these things. So the health check plugin has been sort of an ongoing effort. And we have different drops of that that have been released over time. And as you mentioned, they had to be sort of manually installed via RPM and things like that. Well, we still want to carry on with that. So as the health check um, piece improves, it's kind of detached from the main development cycle. So as we come up with new functionality, we may have new health check drops that we want to test out and have people look at and get feedback from them. But every time that we release a new version of vCenter, for example, we're going to have a stamp certified you know, into in an integrated version of that health check plugin with all the latest and greatest functionality in that. So you might see other versions of this come and go, but like some of the pieces that we've added into this version that is integrated with vCenter right now is stuff like that hardware compatibility list checking. Um, health checks where every 60 minutes it kind of does a scan through the environment, make sure everything is running happily in terms of you know, all sorts of pieces, the, the, the demons, the internet access, whether you're uh, components are healthy, things along those lines. And it's very nice that it integrates now directly with the vCenter alerting and alarming, so we can set off um, health alerts and alarms within vCenter directly and send out emails or SMP alerts or whatever it happens to be that we want to mm -hmm. do. So it's sort of a holistic view of the, the vCenter environment. So it'll check things like you know, if you're using a witness or, or a fault domains, it'll make sure that those are configured correctly, that we have connectivity to them that the network is working both from an internal vSAN perspective with our sort of multicast type of approach for communication between the nodes, as well as the ability to access the, the, the hosts for I.O. and things like that, as well as external uh, network connectivity for uh, reaching out to the HCL or to a witness. So uh, this health check really does a, a, a quite holistic internal examination of vSAN to make sure that everything is working. Uh, and you can even proactively go in and start making running tests on, on your own basis if you want to manually, like you make sure that we can create VMs, a very important piece of running a cluster, make sure that uh, you know we haven't experienced any failures uh, of any of our demons or anything else that's going to cause us to not be functional. Test some storage and network performance as well. We can manage the, the disks in terms of claiming uh, for the cache tier versus the capacity tier, which is um, kind of an interesting thing. So for example, if we've loaded up a, a a bunch of hosts with a homogenous set of disks. We're using all one particular vendor and breed of disk. We need to claim some of them for cache and some of them for capacity. And we can now do that on mass and bulk via the UI, which is much, much simpler than uh, it may have been in the past if people needed to make changes manually through PowerCLI or through the command line. Um, 
yeah, the, the, the integration directly with vCenter and the UI means that we always have this sort of visibility into how vCenter is running and operating and, and what the health of the cluster is as a whole from a vCenter perspective, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I really like the uh, the way you have you know the H the HCI database, and you can especially for some customers, you actually have two methods that actually getting that you can actually request that online with a you know literally click on the button in the vSphere web client, you can push it, it will go out. Uh, you can set your proxy settings, you can download you know that that configure it, the latest configuration for HCI, and if you're in more of a secure environment where you don't have that access, you can actually download the specific specific file. And uh, yeah. load 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 that in. So that's really cool. And I like the ability to uh, integrate with the vCenter the vCenter support assistant to upload those log bundles in case you have a support request. You can actually <laughs> integrate the parts. That to me is huge. Yeah. I, I think you know the vCenter support assistant doesn't get enough credit out there. So if you're listening to the podcast and you've never heard of vCenter support assistant, go take a look at it now because it's awesome. And it actually you know we're seeing it reduce uh, time to close tickets uh, like. 50% I've, I've heard at times. Don't quote me on that, but I've heard some amazing things about that, and I really love that. So I'll just, just a quick plug for that. Sorry. No, I, I agree. That one is huge. I mean, uh, operationally, that's enormous. If you have to manually go collect a whole bunch of different logs and then FCP them up and then, then you get the request back. Exactly. You, you missed that one particular log. Um, <laughs> and, so the other, and, and the other thing is when you open a support request, the first thing that support's going to ask you for is upload your log bundle. Right, yeah, and you can you, you can do that, and it will actually write 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 a note and say that the log bundles were uploaded at this date and time, and now the TSC takes the takes it and starts working on the case and and reduce your time. <laughs> so, sorry, just have to have to put my plug in there for it because I think it's it's amazing and that all the all these nice proactive tests, you know, checking proactive proactively. You got you know integration with um, the stretch cluster and checking your fault domains and such, which is which is awesome. Um, host, right, configuration, host configuration, network configuration, the host compatibility, fault domain configuration, the integration with uh, vCenter support assistant, the ability to download the, HC, the, HCL, the HCL information as an online or as a file. Um, just tru truly, uh, truly awesome to see this capability built in. We need to add this for a lot more of a product, uh, <laughs> I think. Um, anything else on the, uh, on, the, on the health tech plugin you'd like to add? No, but... Um... If that's not enough, then you alluded to this earlier too, in terms of the management packs for fever level operations. So there's mm -hmm. one of those as well for virtual SAN, which is huge. Um, not just from the overall health perspective, but in terms of the capacity planning, performance uh, alerting and assessment, and all of those beautiful things that vRealize uh, operations has given us for years. Now you can start populating that with vSAN information as well. So uh, even if you got lots of different clusters and lots of different vSAN clusters, for example, we can pull all of that together and all that monitoring and alerting can be floated up through that one interface, which is, you know, I, I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't be running vRealize operations these days, uh, or vSAN for that matter, but I'm kind of, my opinion is tainted, I think. But um, having that integration is really just huge in terms of populating, not just, as I mentioned, sort of the health and, and monitoring, the performance, the trending, the analysis, the capacity planning, all of that stuff through your, your vRealize operations interface, uh, that is a big, big change as well. So I have to ask you a question, and I don't know if you're going to answer for this, but um, you know, I am a big believer in, in, in folks running, you know, I, I like to say vSphere with operations management. It's, you know, running vSphere with vRealize operations uh, manager alongside it. For the management pack for um, virtual SAN, do you require do you require the advanced edition, or can you use the standard edition to load, those, load that management pack? I I, I'm, I don't know. As, uh, again, I've heard this one before. I get all this stuff for free, so uh, <laughs> that's, that's Rollinson's answer for that as well. And I, I'm going to use the same one. Uh, so how the management pack gets delivered? Uh, my understanding is every customer that has vSAN will get that management pack as part of that. What that means from a vRealize operations perspective, I I'm not sure, but my understanding is basically. It, we found a way to make that work from a licensing perspective. But again, uh, I don't know any of the actual details on that, so I can't really answer that, even if I wanted to. Okay. Um, and the name is escaping me for some reason. Um, I was thinking about... Ken. I'm Ken. No, no, no. The uh, VSAN... I want to call it like VSAN Analyzer. I can't think of the right name for it. Um, oh, the looking... tool. 
Yes, yes. So any any enhancements around and around that capability in this release? Oh, yes. Um, so that is a really, uh, again, an amazing tool for people who are looking at maybe getting into a vSAN or, or starting to analyze workloads and, and have an existing cluster. They're wondering if it's going to work, things like that. So we've got our, our VIP tool there, the um, tool for but the VSAN assessment tool is really an extension for that as well, where we have just a ton of information that we uh, gather in terms of what types of I.O. your workloads are generating, what types of hardware, what size of VSAN clusters you would recommend uh, to make sure that if you, you're just taking your first steps onto that environment, that you're building an environment that's actually going to run VSAN correctly and not find any sort of horrible surprises down the road. That, we invested how much in this environment? We're using 5% or, of course, on the flip side, um, what do you mean we're at 95% capacity already and we only had it for two months? Yeah. So that, that VIP assessment tool, the vSAN assessment tool is pretty cool. Uh, if you go to vmware.com slash go slash vSAN assessment, I think the URL is, you'll see uh, the types of information you can gather and, and present back to you there. The fact that you used a go a go URL, right? You you, you win points with me for that, so I, I appreciate it. <laughs> right. um, so the other thing that I wanted to touch on is is some of the upgrade pieces. Um, the two things that actually kind of stuck out with me um, in this release, um, as well as the v kind of related to the vSphere release, was that for the on disk format upgrade, I don't have to go into the RVC. And and run that anymore. I can actually do that in the vSphere web client, and to me that's huge, right? That's that's you know I sound like Donald Trump saying that, but uh, I think that's huge. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's, you know I don't have to go in and look at the RVC. I didn't have to look at Cormac's you know white paper hey. and that but I can <laughs> I can just go in the go go in the GUI and do the upgrade to the to the 2.0. So I I really I really appreciate that being in the vSphere web client. I'm not sure what you mean by have to. I mean, going into the RVC is, is a thing of beauty. The amount of information you get out of that, and, and likewise, Cormax guides, it's, it's just really, it's, it's oh, it, valuable. It, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, but my head. I've got to wave the flag to these guys. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But no, I yeah. understand what you mean. Having I, I a format upgrade right there where you can click on it is a quick piece. Yeah. Now I, I was getting, you know, I get lost in the labyrinth and I just want to spend way too much time in the RVC. It's really awesome, but it's really cool to see that, you know, just really quickly be able to, to do that upgrade uh, in the in the web client. And one other piece that I and I actually like um, is that in the uh, vSphere and uh, the vSphere web client as of 6.0 update one, we actually now have the ability to uh, delete partition, right? So I can go reuse this if I need to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I pop yeah. into the disk and actually can blow away the partitions uh, without having to go out to the ESXCLI and, and, and destroying yeah. the partitions. I can do it in the GUI and then reclaim and use those disks for virtual SAN. And, uh, you know, when you're rebuilding labs and, and such reusing disks, I find that incredibly useful on myself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're reusing an environment over and over again, we can't have any existing data on those disks. Uh, vSAN just won't be able to clean them if, if that is the case. It can't be signature or anything like that. So. Yeah, we need to be able to wipe disks as you're rebuilding them on a repeated basis. That becomes a serious pain in the ass. So having that uh, functionality built into the UI is also pretty, pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. um, hey, as we as we come up to come up to the end of the uh, the end of the podcast, just want to touch touch if there's anything you want to add regarding uh, yeah. any, just anything uh, you know like new hardware support or vSAN ready nodes or anything like that. Yeah, I think uh, we yeah. How did you know? Uh, <laughs> The ready node approach is really something we're really uh, fleshing out quite a bit with this release as well. So um, there are new models of ready node as well to kind of address more uh, more use cases for our customers. So uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, the ready node approach is something. I mean, vSAN you can build your own. You can just um, grab gear off the shelf and, and piece it together. Uh, as long as it's on the HTL, you're, you should be good to go. But that's the problem, right? There's so many pieces that you need to look at one at a time. So the ReadyNode approach is designed to simplify that. You get stamp certified, pre-designed, pre-authorized um, hardware that our partners are delivering specifically for vSAN. So you can buy one of these as it were off the shelf and know that vSAN is just going to work with it. And we've kind of expanded that line a little bit as well. We've got use cases for different, um, or, or we've got models for different uses 
both in the hybrid model, which has flash and uh, magnetic disk within it, as well as the all flash models. Again, you can take a look at the hardware compatibility list and it'll give you the up-to-date version of all of those different um, ready nodes from all of our different partners in that space. And that's something that I really strongly recommend. It just it gets, gets away from all of that, hey, great, I've got everything bought, I've got everything <laughs> built, and now what do you mean the firmware on my uh, drive isn't the right one? You know, that sort of scenario is just too, too difficult to, to yeah, so for the, in our time frame. So for those who are listening, uh, definitely go to vmware.com slash go slash VCG right, for the VMware compatibility guide and look at, and look at that information. <laughs> Yeah, and the last, um, the only other thing that I want to get in, since we only got about a minute left, is we also announced the beta, and the beta has got some pretty cool functionality in there as well. Um, really kind of cool thing that I think a lot of people have been waiting for. There, there are two other types of things. Tonight. One is deduplication. So dedupe is obviously something that's very nice. Uh, now vSAN is already thin provisioned, so if you go to deploy. Yep. They're all automatically thin provisions within VSAN, but people still want further deduplication, which is understandable. So that's there in the beta. The other thing is we're using uh, reissue coding uh, to get RAID 5 and RAID 6 as well as options. So right now, when we talk about failures to tolerate, basically what we're doing is mirroring the beta according to their FTT policies. So this reissue coding, uh, we can get lower disk utilization because we're not doing full mirrors. We're in essence doing RAID 5 with a parity bit or RAID 6 with uh, uh, two types of parity bits to protect the data above and beyond that. So that's in the beta already. Uh, pretty huge basic efficiency that we're seeing out of that just in our testing, um, you know, using somewhere close to half the data uh, just by switching the RAID type from um, mirroring to these RAID models. It does come at a, a trade-off. Uh, very slight trade-off in terms of uh, performance, but uh, if capacity is overriding, then that's uh, more important. And if you enable both the, if you're using erasure coding for RAID levels and dedupe, then you're getting pretty smoking, um, pretty smoking uh, disk savings there. Ken, I really appreciate you taking your time uh, while you're up in Chicago to join us for the VMware uh, Community Roundtable podcast. Um, hey, for folks that want to reach you on Twitter, I see that you're active on Twitter. How can they reach you, reach out to you and, and, and get your grief? Me on VM Ken. VM Ken, awesome. Well, Ken, we appreciate, your <laughs> we appreciate your time. Um, guys, you can reach uh, reach me as well. I'm at 10:30 a.m. on Twitter. Uh, 